You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. What he's trying to tell the Israelites, and I think what he's telling us, is that when we get ready to make these decisions, we need to weigh the benefits. The benefits against the problems. The benefits against the problems, we need to weigh those. And many of us fail to do this properly today. When a problem comes, we immediately think up an answer, and we act upon it. We immediately go. Boy, we don't even give it a time, we just go. We don't maturely look at the situation and anticipate the problems that the solutions that we're coming up with make. Why? Because we want the quick fix. When believers face great problems in the world, the reaction should be to seek God first. That's what Samuel did. But as Pastor Dave teaches today, the Israelites came up with their own worldly solution they thought would solve their problems quickly. Instead, diligently seek God and He will guide you. He knows what's best. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8 as he begins his message, Changing Times. You are First Samuel, we're going to finish chapter 8. I would like to read the entire chapter. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to go through the 22 verses in 1 Samuel chapter 8. So if you'll turn into your Bibles to that, and 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. And the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice, however, You shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and his servants. 
And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. The times they were a changing in Israel. The times are a-changing. It was critical time in the nation's history. A new generation has risen up, a generation crying out for radical changes. For centuries, the people of Israel had looked at Jehovah as their king. But now, they asked for the Lord to give them an earthly king, just like all the other nations. Since chapter 7, it appeared that Israel was once again drawing close to the Lord. They had returned to the Lord with their whole hearts. They had put away their idols, the foreign gods. They had prepared their hearts for the Lord, and they served him alone. They were doing everything that seemed to be right. They had things going in the right direction. For so long, things were going the opposite way. Things were getting bombarded. And now they had turned, and they began to follow God once more. Samuel, old, did something that was not right before God, or the people. He appointed his sons as judges. If there were any mistakes in Samuel's history, this would be a big one. This would be a big one. Why? Well, his sons were corrupt. We read, they didn't walk in Samuel's ways. They turned to dishonest gain. They, they took bribes, and they perverted justice. They were not nice people. Who would want them reigning over Israel and serving as judges? The nation saw this. It was blatantly in front of the nation. And they turned to the world for their answer instead of turning their thoughts to God. All the nations of the world had a king over them, so why not us? That might sound familiar to some of us. When everything is going bad, when everything is going the wrong way, We immediately want to turn to the world because, after all, the world has all the answers, doesn't it? Well, just watch a TV show. Just watch a commercial. What to wear, how to dress, how to look, how to comb your hair, how to cut your hair, what car to drive, what toothpaste to have, etc., etc., etc. The world has all the answers. So when things go wrong, the world has to have the answer. So let's go out to a bookstore and walk up and down the 5,000 aisles of self-help books and find the right one for us. This diet, that diet, this one, that one, no one, only mackerel. All these self-help books. We have a self-help book right here. Israel had a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. They had a relationship. He wanted to be their God. He wanted them to be his people. Wanted them to be their children. No, it wasn't enough. When will God be enough? You know, we sing a lot. Christ is enough. We sing that. Christ is enough. Well, when will Christ be enough? When will Christ be enough in our lives? 
When will he be enough to, to handle any problem that comes our way? We give him lip service. The elders of Israel came to Samuel at his home in Ramah and told him that they and the people of Israel wanted a king. They wanted an earthly king. No doubt, Samuel was kind of stung by their rejection, that you rejected their sons, even though they had good cause to reject the sons. But even more than that, Samuel saw the ungodly motive behind their request to have a king. Samuel was displeased with this request, and he prayed to God. I love it. The right thing to do when we're displeased. We should never carry our troubles with us. Instead, we should go to the Lord. It should be our first response. It should be our first response, but way too often it's not our first response. Way too often prayer is way, way down the list. You know the old story. Has it come to that? Oh. And I love F.B. Meyer's quote. Things do not always turn out as we had hoped, and we get displeased for our own sakes and God's. We had planned in one direction, but eventually issued in another direction, and the results have threatened to become disastrous. There is but one resource. If we allow vexations to eat at our heart, they will corrode and injure it. We must rehearse them before God. Spreading the letter before them, as Hezekiah did, making a request like Paul did, crying like Samuel did. Surely it is the mistake of our life that we carry our burdens instead of handing them over, that we worry instead of trusting, that we pray so little, unquote. And when I was studying this morning, and I, I put that on there, I couldn't help but singing to myself an old, old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Those old timers writing those hymns, they knew something. They knew something. A beautiful thing. Just take it to God. Sometimes I'm counseling, and sometimes somebody will come to me for counsel, and they will present something to me, and I'll say something like, well, have you prayed about it? Oh, they get all huffy, like, what do you mean pray about it? Well, yeah, have you taken it to the Lord? Have you taken it to the greatest counselor in the world, in the universe? Have you taken it to the Lord? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. See, God cares about the littlest thing in your life, the littlest, tiniest thing in your life, and the great big monster thing that's burdening you. He cares about everything in between, each of you individually, each of you individually. God tells Samuel, heed the call of the people and give them what they want. God told Samuel to fulfill the people's request. This wasn't because the request was good or because it was right, but God wanted to teach them a lesson. God wanted to teach them lessons. And sometimes we too insist on having something bad. Sometimes we stomp our feet, hold our breath in front of God, and demand that he give us something that we so desperately want. And sometimes God says, okay. And he gives us the one thing that we want that is bad for us because we wanted it so badly. He says, okay. 
and he gives it to us. God will allow us to have it in hopes that we would learn from the consequences, in hopes that we would learn, in hopes that we would learn. When Israel asked for a king, Samuel's heart was broken. Samuel, prophet of God, friend of God, who talked with God, who God spoke to him, his heart was broken. How could you possibly reject God? The Lord told Samuel, they've rejected me, Samuel, not you. Go forth. But then the Lord gives them this solemn warning about the choice they're about to make. In other words, I think what he's saying to us, we really need to look at consequences when we make choices. We're all faced with choices every single day of the week. Every single hour of the day, we make choices. I think somebody did a study on how many choices the normal person makes during the day, and it'll surprise you how many choices we have to make each and every day. And every choice we make has consequences. When we make the right choice, we have good consequences. When we make the bad choice, we have bad consequences. And sometimes we have a choice in front of us, and we know the consequences are going to be bad. Yet we make it anyhow. We make that choice anyhow because we want what we want and we want it now. And nobody can't tell me I can't have that. I want it. And God usually says, have at it, big guy, big gal. Have at it. You'll be crying out to me. But when you cry out, I might not listen. That's the scary part. So we pick up our study tonight. As Samuel now speaks to the people of Israel about their desire for a king, God wanted Israel to know that there would be problems connected with you having a king. There's going to be problems coming here. But in Israel's views, they had problems that would be solved by having a king. While those problems may be solved, God wanted them to know that a king would bring other problems. Yes, a king may solve certain problems. But with a king, you're going to have other problems that you didn't bank on or didn't Think about. And what he's trying to tell the Israelites, and I think what he's telling us, is that when we get ready to make these decisions, we need to weigh the benefits. The benefits against the problems. The benefits against the problems, we need to weigh those. And many of us fail to do this properly today. When a problem comes, we immediately think of an answer, and we act upon it. We immediately go. Boy, we don't even give it a time, we just go. We don't maturely look at the situation and anticipate the problems that the solutions that we're coming up with make. Why? Because we want the quick fix. We want the quickest way out of the trial possible. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to have these problems. We want the quickest way out. If I could write a book that said the quick way out of the problems and put it on the, on the shelves, I'd probably be a billionaire. It would sell so fast, I'd probably have to make more. I could just make it blank and they'd still buy it just by the title. Everybody wants a quick fix, a quick fix. I remember going through some trials. I remember going through some hard times. And man, I want it out so bad. I wanted the quick fix. We don't care sometimes what the quick fix looks like. We just want it. But maybe God has a plan for your suffering. Maybe God has something that he's trying to show you in the midst of this time that you're going through. Or maybe it might even be for somebody else who's looking into your life as you go through this time. And he's trying to get their attention through you. He's trying to show them something that you're going to go through. I don't know. 
Most of us always want the perfect solution. How many of you are always looking for the perfect solution? And I'm always looking for the perfect solution. I want the perfect solution. The one that doesn't have any problems or consequences. There's rarely a perfect solution in our flesh, folks. But doing nothing is not the answer either. Instead, we should maturely look at it, measure the good and the bad, and then pray. Pray for guidance from the Lord, and then when we're told what to do, we need to step out in faith. Take that adventure of faith and step out. Step out in faith. The Lord told the prophet Samuel, I'm giving them fair warning. I'm giving them fair warning. And we read through it. And I want you to take a look at verses 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Look at the one word, the one word that came up in each of those verses in verse 11. And he said, this will be the haver of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots. 13, he will take your daughters to be perfumers, cook and bakers. 14, he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves. 15, he will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to others. 16, he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men. 17, he will take the tenth of your sheep, etc., etc. God's telling them, it's great, you can have a king, and he may do some things for you, but you have to support that kingdom. You have to support him. You have to support all the things that are going on there. And guess what? He's a taker. He's a taker. He's going to take all these things for himself because he needs them to run the country, to run the nation. He needs them. They're all needed. God knows. A king is a taker, not a giver. As king's subjects, you must serve him and give him whatever he wants. And if you do not, there are severe consequences. In most monarchies that existed, all the king had to do was to look at you the wrong way and you would be dead. Kings have horrendous, monstrous power over their subjects. This is what God was telling them. You want a king so badly? This is what's going to happen to you. If Israel wants a king, they must realize that he's going to be a taker, not a giver. Israel will be his servants. You serve the king. You serve at the pleasure of the king. No one can serve two masters. Jesus said that. You serve at the pleasure of this earthly king. What a contrast we have before us between a human king and the king of kings. The wonderful king of kings, our Jesus Christ. Our king of kings is a giving king. Jesus said of himself, the son of man did not come to serve, to be served. He came to serve. You know, every time I read through the gospel of John, I get hung up on one chapter. I get hung up on one chapter, and it's chapter 13. And as I read it, my, I well up, and I actually usually come to tears. Chapter 13 the meal is over, and all the disciples are sitting around the meal table. The Passover meal is over. Jesus gets up from the table, takes most of his clothes off, and girds him a towel around his waist. He draws water, and then he goes to each of the disciples, and he washes their feet. 
He washes their feet. I'll tell you, there's no greater picture of servant than that. No greater picture of servanthood than that. The creator of the universe. Can you imagine? I know why Peter jumped up and said, no way, you can't do that to me. There's no way. There's no way. He said, well, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part of me. Then wash me all over, every place. No, just your feet, because they seem to touch the world. That's all we need to take care of. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine that sitting there? You've just experienced this beautiful, glorious, spirit-filled supper where Jesus says, take the, the bread. This is my body. Take the cup. This is my blood. He just went through that whole thing. Judas is still there. Take it. And they're there. And he starts to wash their feet. He's on his hands and knees before them, and he's washing their feet. They didn't have fine shoes back then. They didn't have socks. Most of them probably didn't have shoes. If they had shoes, they were some sort of open sandal. And they walked everywhere they went, or they rode a mule or donkey. The dust on the road and all that in there, oh, they didn't bathe like we bathe. Can you imagine? The creator of the universe. What a powerful, powerful picture. Jesus says, I didn't come for you to serve me. I've come to serve you. I've come to serve you. Then what did he tell the disciples after he did that? He told them to go and do likewise. Go and serve one another. Go and serve one another with that kind of love, with that kind of passion. Oh. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Paul paints this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ in Philippians 2. This gorgeous picture of Jesus Christ, the servant, when he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and can be obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Now, you have to serve a human king. But Christ wants to serve you. And he did so on a cross. When he hung there and died, taking your sin, my sin, sin of the world upon himself, and freeing every man who would accept him by faith. There are consequences for every decision we make. There are some good consequences and there are some bad consequences. And in verse 18, we see the culmination of these consequences. The culmination of the consequences of what God is telling Israel. In verse 18, it says, And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Wow. Those are some pretty tough consequences. You are sure. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.